bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad man. I'm a black man in a white world. If I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your way. Welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Today you will get a history in baseball and humanity. Here next on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant, and I'm driving my car safely and legally communicating on my phone. Minnesota law allows a driver to use their cell phone to make calls, text, listen to music or podcasts, and get directions by voice command or single-touch activation without holding your phone. Violations are very expensive. The National Safety Council reports that cell phone use while driving leads to 1.6 million crashes per year, and nearly 400,000 injuries are caused by texting and driving. Not surprising, since four seconds with your eyes off the road is like driving the length of a football field blindfolded. And research shows that just two seconds increases the risk of an accident up to 24 times. Texting may only take a second, but it can end your life or ruin it forever. Please. Drive safely and stay alive. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. When an irresistible force such as you meets an old immovable object like me, you can bet as sure as you live Something's gotta give, something's gotta give, something's gotta give How are you, JB? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent on a Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. okay. So this is you, how... You, What's that? You have, you have a busy weekend ahead of you? <laughs> no, this is the most... Uh, Laid back weekend I've had in a long while. No baseball oh, and no um no nothing. I'll I'll be that, I'll be cleaning and uh grocery shopping. Someone's gotta do it. Yeah. Cause I'm right. Well it's kinda sad the baseball season, you know, it's I just look forward to the uh I don't look forward to the uh months ahead where we don't have any baseball. That's it's sad for me. Right. Well, well, this is how it go. Uh, this will go. I'll. I've already uh, pre-recorded like an opening. Oh, and, okay, and, cool. And um, run my first commercial spot, and um, I will uh, say welcome back and kind of reintroduce you, and and then uh, or actually introduce you because I didn't say okay. your name, and um, and we'll go from there. Super. All right. And also, there's a, another commercial break somewhere at the halfway point, like at a half an hour or something. And yeah. uh, at that point, I'll just ask you to um, mute your phone because uh, yeah. I have no way of turning, <laughs> muting you. Right. And, okay, um, fantastic. Okay. And then you, when we come out of that break, you'll hear me say, welcome back or something like that. And we'll pick fantastic. up again. All right. 
I'll play along. How about that? That's good. <clears throat> <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Lo uh, JB's Low Tech Podcast. And in my opening, I stated that we would get a lesson in history, but also in humanity. And today's subject will deal with baseball, but it will also deal with uh, humanity. And to tell this story, I asked a, a guy that I play old man baseball against, uh, Pete Gordon. How you doing, Pete? I'm doing well, JB. Thank you for having me on. And we are old men, but we still love the game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to make that decision. Was this my last year or next year my last year? I'm 59 now, Pete, and um, the body doesn't do what I ask it to do anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm right behind you, and uh, that question never comes up in oh, my house. Okay. We are never going to retire. They're going, what, what a better place to die than on a baseball field. <laughs> well, I missed you in the um, hickory this year. Yes, I had a, um, a family wedding I had to go to. It took my 82-year-old mom to a uh, wedding in Missouri uh, for a last one of my cousins got married and needed to do that, have some family requirements. And so, yeah, I had a nice long run at the Hickory and uh, the Hickory tournament that plays in the over 35 league. And the uh, um, this was the first year I kind of missed that. But we'll have a couple of years, hopefully, get to still play it again. Yeah, it's it's uh it's an interesting way to uh wrap up the season for most of us uh kind of see all of us in one place and then invite new new people for the next season to the yeah, uh it's a renewal. Yeah. Right. So well, you're here to uh tell the story of a gentleman by the name of John Donaldson. Before but before we get to that story, I'd like to hear a little bit about the story, your story and your background. Yeah, I grew up in central Minnesota, a place called Staples, Minnesota. I played baseball there for a few years in high school and uh, um, came across uh, and, and, and been a lifelong baseball fan. Can't get enough of it. I coach my son's teams now and um, in the fall, this fall. And the uh, love the game, always love the game. And... It's, it's made a profound influence on my life. Uh, the story of John Donaldson tends to come into that, and we can get into that a little bit more. But mostly what I'm trying to do is uh, fight off time and try and uh, uh, play the game I love uh, that I think can teach us all a lot about um, life in general. Yes. Uh, the failure of mm -hmm. baseball, and, and and I got a chance to listen to last week's podcast about John, and Mr. Anderson from the U. Um, he was great in talking about the failure of the game and how it's important that uh, uh, what it what the game can teach us. Uh, it's all in the in baseball, and uh, and I've certainly lived my life and portrayed that as much as I possibly can. Yeah, it's. Um... It's an interesting game. In in that interview with Coach Anderson, I talked about dropping a foul ball and then the next pitch dropping a throw to first base and wanting to dig <laughs> dig a hole that's, and uh, right. hide. But then you know, well, it's a um, it's an interesting thing in terms of you can drop the ball, um, but what I try and teach people and what I try and live myself, and it's just an attempt, mm -hmm. uh, is that you got to find the time when you can make a difference in the next play. Uh, the game allows you the opportunity to come back. You get another chance. 
uh, many times to be able to affect a game. Um, we're doing the same thing. I'm always trying to do the same thing with people, try and help them understand that you can fail and you're supposed to fail. Um, how you react to that and how you're, uh, how you can have an attitude of I'm going to make the next play or I can affect this game in some other way. Um, look, you can drop the ball, but you have to forget that and you have to move on. And, and that uh, is an important part of the game. It's also an important part of life, in my opinion, to be able to, uh, you know, forget what you did and see and think and seek ways to affect the game later on. And that's one of the beauties of the game. Right. Yeah. Uh, then this past weekend, the championship weekend, the uh, Rockets finished fourth. And um, I got a leadoff single and um, started a seven-run rally. And we were at that point down 8-7 to the Grays, but we lost 11-7. But, you know, we had a heck of a fight. So Right. But you, you know as well as I do, having done it for so long, that when you wake up on your crisp January 10 below morning, <laughs> you can fall back on your lead off single right and remember the remember <laughs> when it was sunny and nice outside and uh, uh that's an important part of the renewal of the game and, and uh, that this sort of uh yearly process that we go through um every year trying to get our bodies ready trying to get our minds ready to be able to play the game as well as we can well we're here to uh talk about a man named john donaldson who played the game very well and um but is mostly unknown and um, you have done tons and tons of research on him, and uh, you've formed a network to um, to um, have with a purpose, I would say, to uh, get Mr. Donaldson into the Baseball Hall of Fame. But uh, let's talk about how things started with that and the whole process and where things are at uh, with getting him into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, my main job, JB, is to eliminate this phenomenon called John Donaldson who. Right. Uh, you say the name John Donaldson to any seasoned baseball fan, and they'll say the exact words, John Donaldson who. Um, my job and what I've been working on daily for the last 20, um, into my 21st year now, uh, is to eliminate this phenomenon of John Donaldson who uh, we can do this what our forefathers and our segregated past left us with was a shell of a career of somebody who is one of the greatest baseball players in the history of the sport and we need to recognize and realize that and we most certainly can do that uh, the Donaldson Network was formed to put the baseball part of his career back together and meantime uh, glean what uh, statistical analysis and what uh, societal factors we could find out about him, which affected his life on a daily basis. Uh, the Donaldson Network is uh, a group of about a thousand contributors hmm. uh, who have sent in information from their hometowns. In 1971, uh, Satchel Page was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, Immediately following, as is the case with every Hall of Fame induction, they always say, who's next, or who's going to be next, mm -hmm. or that type of thing. And many, many, many people in the state of Minnesota said, John Wesley Donaldson should be the next Hall of Famer. 
Uh, the newspapers bandied it back and forth with letters to the editor. Uh, people said, well, who is John Donaldson? Uh, they thought it was going to be impossible to figure out who he was because his career from the time that he lived in um, required that he travel around, right? And as of today, we have found John Donaldson in over 744 cities in North America. Wow. Uh, this was his career. He started mm -hmm. in 1908 and he finished in 1940. He played 33 seasons and 33 seasons of traveling around, you know, almost never having a home game. Um, that's a, uh, an astounding, uh, not only period of time, but a, a body of work itself. And so we were able to go in and find John Donaldson games all over the United States. In the early 1970s, they thought, well, they'll never find it um, because you just couldn't go to 740 places. Uh, today, we can do that. And what the Donaldson Network has been able to do is uh, to enlist people, volunteers from across the United States, around the world, really, uh, who are able to mine newspapers for instances of when the famous John Donaldson came to their hometown. And I'll have a place in middle of Nebraska, uh, middle of Minnesota, where I'll be able to contact somebody using an email or a message board or finding somebody who has access to newspapers. Have them go to their newspaper office, find a game on a specific date, and send it in. And I'm telling you, this came, this phenomenon happened where all these games started coming in, right? Hundreds and yeah. hundreds and hundreds of them started uh, darking my mailbox, right? Mm -hmm. Coming into my house, and someone needed to compile it. So what I was able to do was energize people and get people to understand that it was very, very significant when John Donaldson came to their hometown. And to this day, we had John Donaldson playing in 131 cities in Minnesota alone. Uh, I think that's more than any baseball player in the history of the game. I don't think you could even come up with, uh, in our both of our distinguished careers, I haven't played in 131 no. cities. No way. I'll be... um, and so John Donaldson's fame was all, are you close to that? I don't know. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I'll be lucky if I've played in 30. So Right. And so you got to understand that what, what, what he did was travel all around in Jim Crow America, uh, the 1920s, uh, teens, 20s, and 30s, right, all over the place. And he maintained relationships with people everywhere. Now, this is starting to sound a little similar to somebody called Satchel Paige. Yes. Uh, people from the golden age, right? Baby boomers remember Satchel Paige because they saw him. Uh, the generation before that, two generations before that, knew who John Donaldson was in exactly, precisely the same manner. Uh, the problem with the, that generation was they didn't really have any way uh, to document that. So newspapers have survived, scrapbooks have survived, different things, but not anything to the uh, sort of mass media that Satchel Paige was able to garner with his um, outstanding abilities. And some rank uh, Satchel Paige as the greatest pitcher ever. Well, John Donaldson taught Satchel Paige a lot of the things that Satchel Paige learned to do in his barnstorming, traveling baseball uh, uh, legacy. And so what, what, we've, what we've left behind and what our segregated past has left us with is this shell of a career, sort of a legend of who this John Donaldson was in a sort of Paul Bunyan-like way, um, except John Donaldson was a real person.
And John Donaldson was a real influencer. And John Donaldson was a real baseball player, uh, segregated by the color barrier in major leagues. Uh, he was forced to play in small town Minnesota uh, and all these different areas and places somewhere far away from the major leagues. Get out of here was the uh, was what they told John Donaldson. Stay far away from major league cities because every time he played in Chicago or St. Louis, uh, they would say, well, why isn't he playing for the St. Louis Browns or mm -hmm. the Cardinals or the Chicago White Sox or the Chicago Cubs, right? They said this in the newspaper. This was a problem for baseball. This was a problem for really white America um, and segregated America. They didn't want to have this example of a uh, tremendous athlete who was a famous person. Um, they didn't want that as an issue for them, so they forced him to go far away. And far away at that time was Minnesota, <laughs> Iowa, North and South Dakota, somewhere where we'll never hear from him again. And what actually happened was this, that segregation took away John Donaldson's ability to have a lasting legacy. And what I work on every day and what I'm so appreciative of all the network members and others who contribute to this is we're just not going to have that anymore. We know better. We can find out more. It is time for us to start returning this guy to the prominence that he deserves, even though he died over 50 years ago. Well, Pete, as a sit in my man cave in my uh, condo, and I look at my uh, St. Louis Cardinals artifacts and my um, Negro League artifacts that are hanging on the mm -hmm. wall and uh, pictures of people like uh, Jackie Robinson and Hank Aaron, who both played in the Negro Leagues, and Cool Papa Bell, who was a superstar in the the Negro League. Um, you know, it's just mind-boggling that uh, somebody would fall, like John Donaldson, would fall through the cracks and and just basically disappear. Well, the cracks were made by society itself. They didn't want this. They wanted segregation. They wanted people to be separate. Um, the Negro Leagues is an example of an outcropping from that, of coming together to build their own league. Um, the Negro Leagues had great players. Uh, we in 2021 can look back and say, look, these guys were great ball players on the same level as major leaguers. But back then, they didn't want to have any part of that. And many people since the Negro Leagues ended, have really tried to keep it the way it was. And we our, our bias um, in how we look at these players uh, is prominent still today. And what we need to do is we need to understand that we're just not going to talk that way anymore. Uh, cool, All those names, Cool Papa Bell, and all those people who have memorabilia in your office, um, they're incredibly important people. They are human beings, and we need to treat them and their legacies in the sacred nature that they should be because uh, society was really robbed of the chance to have them star at a major league level and sustain a lasting legacy. We really need to pick it up and try and let people understand that we can learn from our past. We can restore the legacy of John Donaldson, and we will do this because it's the, not only the right thing to do, it is no longer acceptable for us to keep him in the shadows. He needs to come out. He needs to show. He needs. We need to be able to show that he was great, and how that stacks up with baseball 
and white baseball from the Babe Ruth and the Ty Cobb era. Uh, look, John Donaldson's thrown against those guys. History changes. Right. And people back there knew that. Mm-hmm. And back then knew that. Uh, but that's the way the society was. It took a very, very long time for that to start to change. And I still believe we're working on that today. Well, as a, as a young man that grew up in a segregated city of St. Louis and loved my uh, Cardinals to this day, um, I kind of understand what you're talking about. And for, uh, for those who don't and most won't know, Pete is a white or Caucasian individual. So it's still me. I'm all right with that. And um, and he's given a lot of time and effort on this. And uh, I remember the first time it crossed Pete and I crossed paths. He had a Grays jersey on, and I was like, "What does this guy know about the Grays?" Because <laughs> you know, I'm like, you know, I looked at you and I looked at the jersey, and it's like, "What do you know about the Grays?" Because I knew that represented Negro League Baseball. And, you know, and the stories I would hear from my dad and my uncles and, you know, people like that who would tell, uh, you know, and my, you know, my dad and my uncles, they were about the same age as hearing Aaron and whatnot. So they kind of knew of, like, they really knew of Satchel Page and people like that, but they kind of sure. knew about people a little bit about people before that. And and my dad spent his last year on Earth, <clears throat> kind of digging into uh, uh, the Negro League and uh, finding out information and whatnot. So, can you give uh, the listening audience some stories about his playing prowess? Yeah, well, one of the most important things to understand about John Donaldson's career and his era was that his fame was built one person to the next. Um, It wasn't broadcast on TV. It wasn't Twitter, and it wasn't Facebook, and it wasn't stories told uh, through a a media of any kind. It was predominantly... Um, Agriculture America talking to farmers across the fence. You have to see this guy play baseball. He is great. You must come out and plunk 50 cents down to watch John Donaldson play because he's a major leaguer and we know that. And we need to go out and see that. And so that's really no different than today. We need to be able to tell people one person at a time the greatness of who John Donaldson was because that's how his fame was originally made. It wasn't some kind of uh, campaign, uh, something that he was trying to get behind so everybody would know who he was. This was some one person at a time, and that's important. John Donaldson is, um, again, he played for 33 seasons. Um, he's from Glasgow, Missouri. Uh, which is a, a river town mm-hmm. uh, on the Missouri River. Uh, what, 300 miles, 200 miles from uh, St. Louis? Yep. Uh, uh, central, north central Missouri, mm-hmm. um, which in his time period was considered a southern state. Oh, it, was, uh, uh, it, it held all the segregated qualities mm-hmm. of uh, being south of the Mason-Dixon line. Still uh, does. And John, <laughs> yep. Well, in, in many ways, yes. Um, we can't get away from some of those things, and that's why I say his story still resonates today. 
Right. Uh, we have an example of somebody who crossed this bridge, who came and 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 made society uh, a better place to be because he was in it. John Donaldson was a. Uh, uh, not only does he have great amount of statistical analysis to prove that he's one of the greatest baseball players in the history of baseball. Look, we found 5,000, over 5,000 strikeouts, yeah. uh, wow. 422 wins. Um, this he's incredibly important in terms of statistics, but he's more important in terms of a sociological point of view. He is somebody who was able to navigate the incredibly contentious racial environment of his time period and come out on top. And that's a, a, a story of victory. Um, it's we, we talked a little bit about the Negro Leagues and, oh, it's too bad they couldn't play in the major leagues. Uh, look, John Donaldson never had that opportunity. That wasn't something he was trying to do. Mm -hmm. uh, he was born in 1891. Uh, the color barrier was somewhere around a decade before that, right? So this was a, a well-established, uh, you can't play here. Uh, he never had the aspiration of I'm going to play in the major leagues. He was a player who, in his time period, uh, was trying to make a living playing baseball. And because of his physical skills, he was obviously different and obviously better than everyone he played against. Um, he should have been a major leaguer, but give him a nickel for every time they said he should have played in the uh, major leagues, he'd be a rich, rich man. Uh, this happened on a daily basis to him, but to navigate what was going on at that time uh, is potentially his greatest skill. We might learn about who John Donaldson was based on baseball. We have a mutual, obvious mutual love of the game of baseball. But what John Donaldson has to teach us in terms of getting along with each other is a whole different thing and might be more important than his baseball career. Uh, and I think it is. Because what it shows is that uh, somebody who could navigate with peril around every corner uh, because of the way he looked, uh, he was constantly having to navigate society at that time. And that was his ultimate uh, greatest triumph, in my opinion. So I think that's important. But many stories about John Donaldson, right? Many things that get attributed to Satchel Page, right? Calling in the outfielders, mm -hmm. making everyone sit down. Uh, this is in the 1930s, 1940s. Right. Um, Satchel Page isms is what I call them, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, it almost becomes a caricature of Satchel Page, right? This is what he's known for. Well, John Donaldson was doing that 20, 25 years before Satchel Page was, exactly the same way. And it's documented in newspaper coverage. Um, John Donaldson would, would uh, uh, make a side bet with somebody that he could take a player off the field every inning leaving him in the ninth inning with just the catcher, and they'd still win the game. Uh, this is what John Donaldson was known for, his showmanship, his ability to draw a crowd, and his ability to make money, which what, uh, in hindsight, and as we look back on it, uh, is incredibly significant in the history of Negro League baseball. Um, he is a uh, somebody who everyone should know. Certainly, your grandparents knew who he was. There's without a doubt John mm -hmm. Donaldson is one of the uh, one of the most recognizable um, African American athletes in his time period. Everybody knew who he was, uh, and that's an important thing to understand too. But it also is 
um, along with that, kind of hand in glove with that, is what what happened to him here in Minnesota. He was uh, revered here. He was treated as an equal here. He was um, somebody who people looked up to. I have stories of people and talked to people who uh, modeled their throwing style after John Donaldson. Uh, these are white people in middle America. Uh, that's an important thing to understand, that he was a hero and that he was an icon for people. And that's a, a hard thing, for, easy thing for people to understand today, uh, but a hard thing at the genesis of that. How could somebody, uh, an African-American, uh, be a hero for white people? That absolutely happened here in Minnesota, and people need to understand that. Our great-grandparents and uh, people who lived here were very accepting of him. He brought fame to their communities. He was somebody who um, was well-respected by everyone, everywhere he went. Look, he went into their, uh, he went into towns, and he'd strike out 20 of your guys, and you'd be the first one to run up to him afterwards and invite him back to do it again. <laughs> uh, this is what happened because everybody uh, benefited when John Donaldson was around, and everybody knew that. And so that's a really important thing. But look, as we go forward, the uh, nobody's going to believe that there's a, that you could find a Hall of Fame caliber baseball player that nobody knows anything about. Well, JB, this is the case. We did that. Uh, we found him, and it took a long time and right. continues to work. We still find game, John Donaldson games that we never heard of um, almost every day. Uh, the the stories go on and on. We have right now 712 pitching appearances for him, right? Um, that's a lot. Yes. Um, a lot in a time when you have to rely on rickety old cars to get around. Uh, train travel was the only way to travel between places. that This is before cars. Um, it's, a, uh, it's an important part of his story to recognize that you just couldn't jump on an airplane and hop around 744 cities in the United States. You had to travel up and down every single hill, around every single corner. Um, and around every corner, there was a possibility that that would be the last corner you took. And that's an a, a interesting part of uh, what we've been able to discover about him. Um, he not only has an astonishing playing career, he goes on to be the first black scout in Major League Baseball history. He's not only thinking about himself. Right. Uh, he's thinking about other people too. He has, he places some of the greatest black baseball players in the history of the game in small town, Minnesota. Why does he do that? Because he can, they make money there. He's finding them jobs. He's get, he's taking care of people his entire career. Uh, he was a scout way before the Chicago White Sox hired him in 1949. And it just so happened he becomes the first black scout in major league baseball history. Uh, which he was doing this for years and years before making contacts with people, uh, you know, taking 18 year old boys away from their mothers and sending them off to central Minnesota to play in Brainerd, um, to learn how to play the game. Um, mothers trusted John Donaldson to do that. And that's a whole story about who he was. Right. He was a, a tremendous influence on not only the African-American side of the game at that time, but he was a tremendous influence on the game itself. He left thousands of teammates who he had an influence on. That sort of ripple effect uh, allowed him to be uh, get to places and do things within the game that no one had ever and still to this day have ever done. And that's what makes John Donaldson a significant figure. Well, um, 
And it sounds like that uh, John was a uh, one-man barnstorming tour, you know, whereas teams would they would gather teams together and um, barnstorm, or you would have Negro League teams that would go around and play against white teams doing the off-season for money. It, it kind of sounds like uh, John was just a barnstorm and tour, tour on to his own. He was uh, the drawing card. Um, he was, uh, you know, the, the main attraction. He was a left-handed pitcher, six feet tall, and at that time that was very tall. Mm-hmm. Um, he was – he threw the baseball uh, in a unique way that no one had ever seen before. He was a power pitcher. He relied on his fastball. And then he worked in uh, change-up slider. Some people say he invented the cutter. Um, and that's something that's very important to the game. Right. I mean, think of Mariano Rivera mm-hmm. and how he perfected it. Uh, John Donaldson was doing that 100 years ago before Mariano Rivera. And that's an important thing to understand is that he's trailblazing in his physical ability. In, on August 16, 1925, in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, uh, a photographer there, takes out the first commercially available home movie camera. And when John Donaldson comes to his hometown, Fergus, he takes film footage, hand-cranked film footage of the great John Donaldson in his town. We have uh, film footage of how John Donaldson threw the baseball. And if you put that up against contemporaries of his time, Chief Bender, uh, Christy Mathewson, uh, Walter Johnson, the greatest of the game, he throws the ball differently than all those guys do. He threw the ball much more like a modern-day Bob Gibson, who was a right-hander. Mm-hmm. But John Donaldson had that same sort of tenacious style uh, that led Bob Gibson to become a Hall of Famer. John Donaldson was a guy who, had, in his time period, threw the baseball, and that's why people came to watch him. They saw, they saw something they'd never seen before when he got to the baseball game, when John Donaldson was there. And that's historically significant and something that we work on every day to show. But we're fortunate to have that. Um, Those frames of his film footage are important today because people need to see him. I can show you literally thousands of headlines that say how great he was. But eventually you're going to go, oh, okay. It's kind of a ghost. It's kind of a mythic figure. Mm -hmm. It's kind of just out of view. but now I can show you film footage of him throwing the baseball, striking out 18 guys on a hot August afternoon in Fergus Falls uh, and playing the game at an extremely high level. Uh, that's very important today. That's what the Donaldson Network is proud to have. Uh, the, the descendants of the photographer who shot that should be, uh, should be applauded for keeping this volatile film footage available right and making sure it didn't blow up or burn (laughs) or you know they kept it in a really safe place um so that he could be known later uh that's an important part of his story an important part of what we do every day is try and uncover these things i was given a speech in several years ago now in a place called uh slayton minnesota and maybe you've never been there it's in murray county it's in southwestern minnesota (laughs) i would say Uh, i have not yeah I'm, I'm talking as I do at these, uh, at a county fair, the Murray County Fair. And I said to a, the crowd that was gathered for this historical speech about John Donaldson, I said, you guys, um, somebody here has a picture of John Donaldson in their basement right now. 
and the uproarious laughter, right? Okay, maybe I'm a funny guy. But I said, it's, it's, a, it's an absolute guarantee. Uh, a few years later, three, four years later, uh, a friend of ours had, uh, her daughter had a baby. And they said, well, this baby looks a lot like Aunt Millie. And well, I have Aunt Millie's scrapbook in my basement. So I went down in my basement and I opened up the scrapbook and I found a picture of, the, of Aunt Millie as a baby. And sure enough, it looked exactly like the baby who was just born, right? But then I turned the page and what did I find? A picture of John Donaldson in the <laughs> scrapbook. And just like you said, and she said, I won't apologize to you because I laughed at you when you said that. And it turns out you were right. And I'm telling you, JB, all over the upper Midwest is uh, our photographs of John Donaldson that people have, but they just don't know who that is. Uh, we're here to change that. It's something we work on all the time. And that's important thing to understand is that these things just kind of got one generation away from us. We don't necessarily know our grand great grandparents. Uh, we don't know the things and trials and tribulations that they went through. We're lucky if we have a photograph of them at all, or if we even know who that is. Um, we know John Donaldson was famous enough to be photographed everywhere he went. And so those photographs still survive today, and we're constantly searching for them. Um, I'm going to take a commercial break here, Pete. And when we come back, I want to um, talk about maybe some other tools that John Donaldson uh, had as a player and um, then kind of lead things on to uh, talking about the, the fight to uh, get him into the Hall of Fame. Okay. All right. And we'll be back with uh, Pete Gordon uh, talking about uh, John Donaldson here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Congratulations to all the Minnesota businesses that scraped through the last year. It sure hasn't been easy, but we've done it together. And while we certainly need to move forward, it's good to reflect on what we've been through and the many losses. Here at Bradshaw & Bryant, we held a lot of Zoom meetings, increased our phone calls, and have done our best to keep up with all the changes while continuing to provide quality work. We'd like to thank everyone that turned to us with their personal injury and criminal needs as well as the courtrooms for bringing the community back together to serve justice. We look forward to being part of Minnesota's growth and success for many years to come. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, don't sign anything till you've talked to us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. This song has always held a very special spot in my heart because it's the first song I ever recorded. Hey there. Yes! I've never made a move. You want to laugh, Sam? Go out and sit in the audience. Hey there. What the hell you want, Sam? Baby. <laughs> From to you, you think someday she will come to you. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the JV's Low Tech Podcast. Today's guest is Pete Gordon, and uh, we're discussing Josh Donaldson. Um, 
I hate to even use the term Negro Leaguer because it sounds like he didn't even get that chance, Pete. He was a he was a one man one man show. It sounds like. Um, yes, but he did play and found. I was a founding member of the Kansas City Monarchs, oh, so a household okay. name. Yeah. Um, the, he actually was the person who named the team. Um, the team was built around him by J.L. Wilkinson, who's a Hall of Fame owner mm-hmm. um, for the Kansas City Monarchs. Right. He sent more Wilkinson sent more Hall of Famers to Cooperstown um, from the, his team, his franchise, than any other. Uh, uh, manager owner in the uh, Negro Leagues. He was huge, right? right. And J.L. Wilkinson said that uh, John Donaldson was the most amazing pitcher he'd ever seen, black or white. And when you had Satchel Page, uh, Bullet Rogan, uh, Jose Mendez, Andy Cooper, uh, all these great Hall of Fame baseball players on your in your franchise, and to call John Donaldson the greatest of all of them um, is saying something significant. And that's an important thing to understand about what John Donaldson's career is going forward. People called him the greatest ever. And that is really significant. It's something that historians had had a sort of toe in the pool, sort of tip your foot in the water uh, attitude towards for many, many, many years. We've just been able to tack up the facts along with it. And that's what's important about what we're doing. And that's how we're going to restore John Donaldson's legacy is, look, people in his time knew him as the greatest. Uh, and we throw that around a lot these days, um, that sort of term. But they thought he was the best they had ever seen to a person. I mean, major leaguers thought that. Major league managers, owners wanted John Donaldson on their team. Their business was to win baseball games, and John Donaldson could win baseball games to the tune of more wins and more strikeouts um, than any segregated pitcher in the history of the game. We know this today. We need to tell people about this. Um, The Negro Leagues were certainly an important part of that, but as Negro Leagues uh, matured in the first few years after John Donaldson played with the Kansas City Monarchs, they started running out of money. They needed money, and here you're sitting on a guy who can go out uh, on a barnstorming tour and come back with a sack full of money. Uh, this was something that John Donaldson was able to do and did. There's a pictures in the in the uh, the great Negro League Baseball Museum in Kansas City of the great Kansas City Monarchs franchises. They're standing shoulder to shoulder, right, mm-hmm. in a baseball team photos. And people see these all the time, and they say to me, well, Pete, why isn't John Donaldson in these pictures if he's as great as you say he is? Because he's out making those guys money. And that's what's important to understand. He's buoying the franchise with his fame, his ability to go out and make money. And J.L. Wilkinson is famous for uh, one of his great accolades was that he never missed a payday. Well, the reason he never missed a payday was because he had all kinds of money coming in from John Donaldson. And so John Donaldson plays a few years in the Negro League until, look, they had a stadium issue in uh, Kansas City. Uh, As we know in the upper Midwest, in Minneapolis especially, about stadium issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know about this. It's exactly the same today. Well, how much money are you going to kick in for the stadium to the owners, right? And And this is the same problem they had in Kansas City. And what they needed to do was find some way to make money so they could help finance a stadium in Kansas City for the Kansas City Monarchs, uh, which they eventually were able to do, uh, but mostly because 
they had extra money in the coffers because John Donaldson was there making them money. And then tragic circumstance um, takes over, as so often does. Um, John Donaldson's father in 1923 was killed by a policeman. He was shot in the face uh, in his hometown of Glasgow. Right. Uh, and and this is a this is a societal issue. Um, John Donaldson's at the height of his fame at this at this time. And then um, some new research has just come out, and it's kind of breaking news for you, JB. Are you ready? Sure. Low tech podcast breaking news. <laughs> Did you ever have that? <laughs> no. Uh, if I had, so, I'd have a sounder. Yeah. Well, yeah. You should go. Yeah. Ding dong. <laughs> something. Uh, tragically, a young lady, fourteen year old girl, goes missing in John Donaldson's hometown. Mm-hmm. Her name was Daisy Ashby. Uh, nobody knows what happened to her. Uh, John Donaldson's younger brother, James, um, this is, remind you, 10 months after they, the police in that town killed his family or his father, right? Right. Uh, his brother is brought in as a suspect, is one of the last people to see Daisy Ashby alive. Uh, and in that climate, uh, that was very life-threatening for James Donaldson. Right. Um, who was brought in for questioning, uh, and it curiously written in the newspaper, James Donaldson is in the jail. Um, at that time period, printing somebody is in the jail um, was like calling with a megaphone to the mob. Right. Um, that's an important thing to understand, is they wanted to pin it on him. Um and so John Donaldson's pitching for the Kansas City Monarchs. He is, uh, then he mysteriously leaves the team. I think what John Donaldson did, which cost his legacy greatly, was he saved his brother when he got out of jail and brought him to Minnesota, where he could live and not face the mob. Uh, Daisy Ashby's murder was eventually found. Uh, James Donaldson had nothing to do with it, but you have to understand at that time period, that was not a guarantee. Right. They were having, uh, um, what are they, the, they were having mob justice for years and years, decades. Um, John Donaldson was very familiar with this. He understood the world that he lived in. Uh, so one of the reasons that John Donaldson leaves the Negro National League and the Can- great Kansas City Monarchs scheme at the height of his fame is to save his brother. And that is a character issue. Uh, that is a character thing we as historians need to understand. Uh, it wasn't because his arm was sore or he just was getting old. Right. Um, it wasn't because he was well uh, well rode and, and put away wet. He was on the road all the time. Um, he was a guy who did physically demanding job. Uh, you know, his contemporaries, Walter Johnson is sleeping in the Four Seasons um, in t- turned down uh, white linens. John Donaldson's sleeping on the ground. Um, this is the difference between where the major leaguers were and where this barnstormers were. Uh, where black players could play at that time, it wasn't um, what the major leagues were seeing at that time. So John Donaldson's career and his legacy is greatly diminished because he went to bat for his family. He took care of his brother. He saved him from that. He would have had a prolonged major league and Negro league career had he not had societal problem come in. And this is something that it took me 21 years to figure out. Uh, 
But this, everybody wondered, well, why did he just up and leave and go to central Minnesota? Was it because of the money? Was it because he had lost a step? Was it be- No, he went to central Minnesota because he was, would be safe there. His brother would be safe there. And he brought his brother to a place called Minneota, which is in western Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he played for the Minneota baseball team, uh, James Donaldson. Uh, it's, it, he is not only surviving, he is bringing his, uh, other players to Minnesota to have a life of prosperity. And that's something that history doesn't understand. An East Coast uh, historian wouldn't understand that, uh, wouldn't understand what we know here in Minnesota. What we know of, of John Donaldson's career is not understood universally. And that's something that we fight. That's something that has to do with segregation, and it has to do with how how palatable this story is for people to understand. John Donaldson is a hero and rises above all of these things and has a tremendous baseball career. And it's something that uh, can be looked at as an example today and going forward of somebody who we should emulate. Well, Pete, uh, so to uh, forward John's story, he, you, as you mentioned earlier, he became a Major League Baseball scout. How did that come about? And for me, if he was the first black Major League scout, that fact alone should put him into the Hall of Fame, but that's just me. Yeah, and then for me um, is a, an important thing to understand. In this day and age, for me can be vol- um, can be um, amplified mm-hmm. uh, and, and potentially you're in the wrong directions. Uh, People under the, the 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 fight for the baseball hall of fame is one thing. Uh, John Donaldson's fame is resolute. We know what he did. We know who he was. If it's good enough for your hall of fame, that's great. Um, the hall of the hall of fame can't say anymore. We don't know who he is. That's not possible. And up till today, today the um, they've had that as an excuse. And that's one of the things when John Donaldson was a scout, right? He brings Willie Mays into the Chicago White Sox. He says, here's Willie Mays. He's 18 years old. He's going to hit 660 home runs, right? And become one of the greatest baseball players of all time. Well, the White Sox guy goes, well, we got a guy named Dave Philly who's kind of hit 286 last year and had 18 homers. And uh, we're going to keep Dave Philly in center field and leave Willie Mays. There were all sorts of excuses that were made for the Southsiders and Major League Baseball teams all across the uh, spectrum uh, to pass on Negro League players because of the societal pressure that it would put on them as an organization, right? The Chicago White Sox are in the middle of South Chicago, a predominantly African-American place. It was vitally important that the Chicago White Sox recognized who their clients were and brought in some black baseball players. And John Donaldson signs the first black baseball player in the history of the Chicago White Sox, um, a guy named Jerry Hairston. I'm sorry, Sam Hairston. Sam, smiling Sam Hairston was signed by John Donaldson. And then Sam Hairston's lineage includes five more major leaguers after that. Well, I tell you what, none of those major leaguers are major leaguers unless John Donaldson signs them, signs their grandfather, their dad. Uh, all the Hairston brothers mm-hmm. are uh, have major have won World Series titles. They're in, they're important figures. But John Donaldson, the uh, people of the Chicago White Sox at that time, needed to understand 
Negro League baseball players, and no better a person than John Donaldson to bring them these great players. He has Ernie Banks brought in from Kansas City. Um, imagine how the landscape of Chicago would change if Ernie Banks was a White Sox instead of a Cub. Um, he had 500 home runs. Uh, Ernie Banks, John Donaldson brings to Chicago. The general manager of the Chicago White Sox is waiting there with a car and grabs him off the train and takes him, I'm sorry, the Chicago Cubs, is waiting at the train, grabs him and puts him in a car and takes him to Wrigley Field. John Donaldson had, was there to take him to Comiskey Park. Um, Ernie Banks subsequently signs with the uh, Chicago Cubs and changes Chicago baseball history because of that. But John Donaldson's right there. He had an opportunity to get all of these great players from the late 1940s, early 1950s, um, and did so. Signed as many of them as his boss would allow. Uh, and those teams, little known, won championships uh, in at the AAA level because the Chicago White Sox had one of the best AAA teams ever in 1951, and it was filled with John Donaldson signees, black guys from the Negro Leagues. Uh, nobody knows anything about that, and that's an important thing to understand is that John Donaldson was a mentor. He was a person who uh, people looked up to and felt safe around, and that's who he was. Does that, uh, in your in your opinion, that makes him a Hall of Famer? In my opinion, it certainly does, but. I don't have an opinion. I'm just trying to tell you what the facts are. Right. And the Hall of Fame is going to do what the Hall of Fame is going to do. They've shown that over the years. Uh, we, They just cannot say anymore they don't know who he is. And that can't be their excuse. Same excuses they had with Dave Philly. And the same excuse they had, the White Sox had with Dave Philly, right? I mean, they, they was just plenty of excuses not to sign the, or not to hire or sign these black players because they just didn't want to and society, societal pressures meant that would be hard. And they didn't want to do that. And some organizations were able to do that. Look, the uh, Boston Red Sox didn't integrate their franchise until they got Pumpsy Green uh, in 1959. Right. I mean, that's, that's 13 years after Jackie Robinson. Uh, it took a long time to integrate the game. It's not what sort of we're spoon-fed today about how it was so, sort of floodgates were opened. No. That didn't happen at all. And John Donaldson was, yet again, right in the middle of all that. And that makes him a historically significant figure. Well, at a certain point, Major League Baseball, uh, and not completely, but at least attempted to right, right its wrong by migrating all these great uh, Negro League players into Baseball Hall of Fame. What if and if you don't know, just tell me you don't know. But what, in your thoughts and maybe in your uh, research, keeps John Donaldson out of the Hall of Fame? Uh, the number one thing is he played against he played against a bunch of farmers. Okay. Right. Yeah. And the number one thing is you know they say to me all the time you know if you could just come up with a list of all the major leaguers that he played against. And what his results were, that would be really nice. I just go, you don't understand what we're talking about here at all. John Donaldson did not have the opportunity to play against major leaguers. Look, he was in Butte, Montana. Do you think there's any major leaguers hiding behind <laughs> the hay bales there? I don't think there are. Uh, well, you know, if he just would have did this or just would have done that, he would really be a Hall of Famer. No, you have to understand his time period. 
you have to understand the things, the opportunities that he had. I'll tell you a story about a guy named John Shackelford. John Shackelford was from Glasgow, Missouri. He played on the Sandlot with John Donaldson. John Shackelford was white. John Shackelford went on to win a championship with the Milwaukee Brewers of the American Association, a major league team recognized by major leagues as being mm-hmm. the, as major league baseball as being major league. John Shackelford and John Donaldson are literally at the jumping off point, and one guy can go one way, and the other guy can only go this way. Uh, John Shackelford wins games. He was a great pitcher, too. They came from exactly the same spot, but because John Shackelford was white, he gained major league fame. John Donaldson, because he was black, was always in the background. He always had to take the back seat. That's not what we're about today, and that's what we're changing, and that's what people need to understand is he was always a second-class citizen. He was always somebody whose legacy would be affected by segregation, and we know better now, and we need to talk about him as if he was an equal because he always was if he wasn't better than all of them. Well, I'm going to ask you – Maybe a dumb question, or maybe a, a, um, <laughs> a question you may not even thought about. If the Veterans Committee or somebody, the Negro League Committee or whatever it's called, finally uh, inducts John Donaldson, what the heck are you going to do with yourself, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I argued back to something you said um, before. What could I possibly know about the Homestead Grace? Right? Right. I can know a lot about the Homestead Grace. We all can know a lot about the Homestead Grace. We should know about that. We should know about who John Donaldson was because that is a part of our shared past. Um, what am I going to do if he has the honor of doing that? I, of getting into the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown? Well, look, I, I did my job. Right. Uh, I brought, I brought, I, I assisted in bringing him back. Uh, it's time we know about who John Donaldson was. He was incredibly influential in desegregation of America. Look, I had a guy tell me from Bertha, Minnesota, small town Bertha, 13 miles from my hometown. Uh, he said, you know, we used to sit around on the back porch and talk about baseball all the time, but we didn't talk about Ted Williams or Joe DiMaggio or Yogi Berra. We talked about John Donaldson. Uh, and when Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in 1947, April 15th, that wasn't a big deal to us. We've been doing that for 20 years. And that's a significant point of view difference than what the rest of America had. Uh, they knew what it was like to have a segregated or have an integrated baseball team. They understood that, and that wasn't a big deal. Um, they had been hearing the jeers from uh, – opposing fans from the stands about John Donaldson for years and years and years. They understood all the cat calls and they understood all the societal pressures that there were to make sure John Donaldson did not succeed. Well, I'm telling you here, John Donaldson succeeded. He not only succeeded, he, he made it over the moon. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I recognized that and was able to recognize that at an early juncture of my career doing this, uh, I was sitting in my basement researching and I thought I said one day I said to myself, 
this guy is one of the greatest players ever. And how come nobody knows this? And so I went about this long process of trying to figure that out. And right now, the legacy of John Donaldson sits in a box in my basement. And the whole thing can have it whenever they want. But I think it's absolutely ridiculous that somebody in suburban Minneapolis can have the legacy of one of the greatest baseball players of all time in his basement and not somewhere where anybody could see it. Um, I want to give it to as many people as we can give it to because we know better. We need to see him. We need to do that. But there hasn't been a call for that. Um, and society is slow to change. And yeah. I just think that as soon as we, it, as soon as we stop John Donaldson, who, uh, the box will come out of my basement and the box will go somewhere where it belongs. And if that's Cooperstown, if that's Kansas city, if that's the university of Minnesota library, it doesn't matter. It needs to go somewhere where people can appreciate what John Donaldson did, not only for himself and on the baseball field, but he did for all of us. And that's a significant part of this story. Well, and people can clearly hear your passion for this story. And, um, I have two last questions, Pete. Uh, the first one is, have you uh, um, had any personal pushbacks or attacks because of the uh, subject matter you're dealing with? And has it, you know, any effect on your family or anything like that? Well, let me say this about my family. They are incredibly supportive of this story. Now, they might have a real passionate dad who can bring every minute detail about doing the laundry back to a baseball player, right? That's me, mm -hmm. and that's who I am. And I would tell you that at first base when you're playing for the Rockets, right? right. I would tell you that, and that's not – maybe that's a blessing. Maybe that's a curse. <laughs> um, I don't know, but it's one of those things. My family is incredibly supportive of me because they understand to a certain degree how important what it is we're doing look, we need to teach our children to be passionate about something. We need to teach people that they can change things. We need to teach people that it is possible that we have it within ourselves to be advocates for other people. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be a person who can tell a, a very reticent history and uh, general population that that's not possible. They tell me that all the time. There's no way you're going to get this. Any, it, it doesn't matter. It comes down to farmers. He played against farmers. It doesn't. His career. His career matters. We need to keep saying it over and over again. Have I got any pushback on it? Well, I get asked all the time. How come some white guy from Middle America uh, is taking on this uh, this endeavor? Because I did. Uh, look, one day I was in the Bertha Historical Society, which is a small town, about 75 people today. When John Donaldson played there, there was about 500 people there. Um, in Todd County, Minnesota, central Minnesota. Uh, I went to the Bertha Historical Society to find John Donaldson images and stories. This was a long, long time ago. Uh, there was a poster on the wall the poster said, John, the great John Donaldson, right? And there's a picture of him. Mm -hmm. I asked the guy, can I take it down off the wall and look at it? He goes, sure, you can do whatever you want. Uh, that's great. He knew who I was. He allowed me to do things other people wouldn't, other historical societies wouldn't allow me to do. He knew who I was. So I took it down off the wall and I put it down on this pile of scrapbooks. And 
much to my surprise, I set it down uh, on a picture of me. And I was in the Bertha Historical Society. The 1988 Staples boys basketball team lost in an overtime to Bertha in the District 24 championship game, right? And my team had won it the year before, so the program was in there. There's a picture of me sitting right below the picture of John Donaldson. This is what is important about the story and important about what I'm doing to fix it. No other historian could walk into that door and find themselves in a picture right next to John Donaldson's picture. <laughs> uh, it seems kind of odd, right? Right. Uh, so, so that is a, a significant event that happened in my life. And I knew exactly at that time period, this is what I'm going to do. Um, this is where we have so much more to learn. This is where um, the story of who John Donaldson was can affect everyone. And I believe it affects everyone. You just have to let it in and see that. Um, he has something to teach each and every one of us every single day. And he is a baseball and American hero. And people need to understand that. And we're just simply not going to take the age-old excuse that, well, he just played in the Negro Leagues, or, well, he just played in Nebraska, or, well, he just was out to make money. That's not what he was doing. What ended up happening, uh, you know, some 75 years after his last pitch was thrown, uh, is this resurrection of a time period that was simpler, but a time period that we need to know more about so that we can learn and understand our friends and neighbors around us today. Well, my last question for you, um, there's a small town in Minnesota that did a very big thing for John. Can you uh, talk about that? In Minnesota? I think it was. Or Missouri. No, it was in Glasgow, Missouri. Missouri, I'm in, sorry. In, yeah. yeah, in his hometown of Glasgow, Missouri. Mm -hmm. uh, where his, where his dad was killed and his brother was all, almost hung. With, yeah, his brother was accused right. of murdering a 14-year-old girl. Terrible stories. Uh, we built, we had John Donaldson Field, a statue and field dedication day, September 4th, 2020. Middle of the pandemic, right? All mm -hmm. these people come out. We put up a larger-than-life statue of John Donaldson in his hometown. And his name now graces the town baseball field. So every time that some opponent of theirs comes into town, they're going to say, who's John Donaldson? And that's going to tell the story of who John, and stop John Donaldson who. Uh, one of the interesting things about the same time as we put the statue up, um, we fundraised and did all the things for years and years before that. Uh, but it, ironically, in a summer of so much turmoil last summer, uh, where statues of hate, of uh, of Confederate generals are being torn down mm -hmm. and people who have did all these seemingly terrible things. Um, John Donaldson's rising out of that and can be looked at as an example of somebody where we're going in the future. Uh, around that time, a guy found an autographed baseball of John Donaldson's in a junk store in the small town of Missouri, right? He sends me a message. I found this ball and it had, can you confirm that this is John Donaldson's signature? Well, I looked at it, and yeah, it looks kind of like it, and, and and that's interesting. He was um, had the baseballs on the front seat of his car, and he was driving his kid to 
one of the traveling baseball games. Uh, and he looked at it and he said, does anybody, do you guys know who John Donaldson is? Is he famous? Can I make money on this baseball? Uh, all the kids in the backseat said, yeah, Glasgow's naming their field after him. They have a statue too. The guy in the front seat driving the car doesn't have any idea who he is. <laughs> the little kids in the back seat know exactly right. who he is. Yep. And that's where we're going. And that's a uh, maybe a long story about that's where we're moving towards. There's no longer going to be a generation of people who don't know who John Donaldson is. And that's what we need to build on. And that's what I work on every single day. Well, Pete, I'm a man of history. Um, at one time, I was going to be a history major. But um, of a man of history, I appreciate you uh, coming on, telling John's story, but also telling your story. And, um, you know, just educating people and uh, sharing your passion. We can change. We talked a lot in the last year, year and a half, right. about how we're going to change. We can simply stop calling John Donaldson lesser than. We can start calling John Donaldson a great ball player. Not a Negro Leagues ball player or not a barnstorming ball player, a baseball player. A baseball player the same as Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb, Christy Mathewson, and, and name your greatest. Uh, John Donaldson's a baseball player. We have the ability to change what history has told us about his legacy, and we're going to do that every single day. And we need to tell people about that, and we need to tell people about how it is possible for them to have effect on something that people think is insignificant, people think is uh, my great-grandfather's stories. Uh, this is something that I think affects everyone today, and John Donaldson's story resonates today as much as it should have in his era. And it's something that I really appreciate you being able to listen to and hopefully understand a little bit more about. But if you need to know more, there's always, you, yes. we have a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. I was going to uh, ask we you. We obviously have a web page, mm -hmm. um, johndonaldson.bravehost.com. It's a free site. People say it's really boring. They tell me that all the time. <laughs> it's also, right? But it also shows um, 422 wins. Right. Every single one of them. It doesn't just give you uh, uh, accumulated stats. Um, it, it goes through great lengths to not do that. Go there and look for yourself. You can decide if his 422 wins are significant in the history of the game. That's not my job to tell you that. Um, you need to go do that. And some of the things that are happening today in terms of uh, Negro League statistical analysis being important and becoming more presence on the World Wide Web, uh, you know, show your work. I challenge you because people can make up their own minds. If you want to boil it all down to John Donaldson's war was not high enough for him to be a Hall of Famer, I think I'm just going to throw him out. Well, join them, get in line. I mean, they've been doing that for almost a century. Um, that's not novel. If you don't understand, there, he had 400 and, 422 wins that we know of right now. They're all listed somewhere. You can go look there. You can go figure that out for yourself and decide for yourself. I'm not telling you who you should be important by coming up with some kind of saber stat about how his wins plus plus or whatever they call these things are <laughs> is better or worse than someone else. It's not possible to do that when our great grandfathers segregated him to the hinterlands of America because they didn't want to have anything to do with him on a major league level. He would no, be known 
on baseballreference.com. He would be known on seamheads.com. He would be known on all these online saber metrics types of things if he had had that opportunity. He just never did. And we're not going to sit around and, and take that, well, his war isn't enough compared to somebody else. It, look, you're misunderstanding. The important part to understand about the statistical analysis for John Donaldson is he did those things. He did all those things, um, and we've proven it. And so if you want to go and put his war up against and say, well, you know, he's really not a Hall of Famer, he changed baseball in the United States of America. Unlike any pitcher, unlike any player has ever done before, and I think that's a significant thing. Uh, he did it in my, it just happened to be in our backyard, my backyard in Middle West. And if that's not important enough for East Coasters or West Coasters to think that's important, um, we're just not going to sit here and tell everybody that the, the significance of the people of central Minnesota and Minnesota in general are not as important as people from New York. We are just as important and have just as many uh, influential things on society as anybody else. We're just not going to take a back seat. We know better now, and we must do a better job. Well, this has been Pete Gordon. I want to thank him for his time, his uh, his passion, and his story. And um, Pete, well, go. Baby, it was great to be on. <laughs> yeah, I, go, uh, go. You know, when go I out. it was the low tech podcast, I thought <laughs> you were going to mail me a can with a string on it, <laughs> and we were just going to talk into that thing. No, that would be <laughs> no, I, be something. I I call it the minor miracle because I. I bought some equipment, plugged things in, and messed around. And if anybody ever asked me how to do this, I'd look at them like they're crazy because I still don't know how this is working. So well, I do appreciate your your your. I do appreciate you as a competitor. I believe I hit a hard line drive that hit in the face once. Is that true? No, that's not true. Really, I don't <laughs> sure if you misplayed it or what happened to it, but I I feel bad about. It. I only had one ball ever hit my hat. And and bend it, and that was it. <laughs> Oddly enough, Donaldson Field in in Richfield, Minnesota, which is probably not named after John Donaldson, but uh, probably not. It's <laughs> safe to say that it probably wasn't named after the great John Donaldson. <laughs> right. All right, but man. It, anyway, I appreciate it, and thank you for your time. Sure. And if anybody wants to know more about John Donaldson, we have a YouTube channel with plenty of videos and stuff on there to look and see him. And uh, I just appreciate you amplifying our message. Sure. And go enjoy the rest of your Saturday and do something more than what I'm doing, which is uh, cleaning and uh, grocery shopping. Well, I'm sure, I'm quite certain, surely there's a lawn to mow. Um, surely there's some basement to clean out. Uh, but we're just ending the baseball season, so maybe baseball on all day would be a better idea. Well, I have been, my Cardinals are now uh, 14 out of their last 14 games. So I keep, Yeah, and hopefully, I, hopefully by the time everybody hears this, they'll have done 20 in a row, right? Right. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks, I appreciate you. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Pete Gordon, the John Donaldson Network, here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB. is my name and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Negro, black, African American, black, black, black. Django, J. B. Damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know. J. B. Our great Negro sex machine.